Disclaimer, if you have not seen the Bo Burnham Inside Special, do not listen to this episode because it's Spoiler City. Hello everybody, welcome to Self Improved and I am excited because I have a microphone. Now it's not a schmaltzy microphone you might be picturing. This is a microphone attached to headphones on a gaming set, but it is still better than me stuffing the phone right next to my mouth. I'm excited also for what you're going to listen to today because I was going to put it off for later, but the Bo Burnham Inside Special. Incredible. And that's what I'm going to talk about. And then I'm going to get into this funny little situation that I might be a schmo or I might actually, I don't know, find a woman. You tell me. I'll tell you that situation afterwards. Any extra time, it's going to be coin toss whether I speak about stuff. Because who knows if we get to that 20-minute mark. This will probably be a shorter one, which you might like. Shorter the better these days for our attention spans that are sad. Let's get into it. Uh, Go rate this five stars if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And lastly, Shabbat Shalom. Good Shabbos to all my Yidin or Yahudim listening. Friday is here. Enjoy it and enjoy the show. Okay, self-improved, let's get this. If you haven't heard of Bo Burnham before, this guy, a little background, he made some viral videos on Vine, good old Vine, and then got on YouTube, made some YouTube videos, got popular there. Next thing you know, he's doing live shows, crushing those, one special at a time. The, the shtick is he sings. He does parody songs. Not necessarily for everyone, but this latest special was incredibly deep. He is not afraid to talk about the issues going on that we all know about, but just forget about because they're painful. Covers mental illness. He also covers the hypocrisy in the world. And he does all this while encapsulating it into pop songs. Now, my favorite part of this entire special is that there are messages, but there are also meta messages. You're wondering, what, Zev, is a meta message? A meta message is when you send a message without actually saying anything. So there is a plethora of symbolism in this. And I watched it two times. Going to watch it again because you can pick apart little bits of symbolism throughout the whole thing. And there's little uh, tributes to certain movies that he's made that other people have made. The cinematography, the way he frames things and composes stuff, same thing, is sending a message all the time. You can tell when watching this, everything is intentional. And so I'm going to break this down from start to finish, just things I notice. And this will be a quick breakdown because I didn't make detailed notes. You can go on YouTube and look up 30 to 45 minute breakdowns of this because people absolutely love this. Now, if you're a deep thinker like me, you will have such a good time. If you do not like thinking deeply, this will be very boring to you. However, Bo Burnham does a great job of hiding that deep meaning with these very over the top poppy songs. On a side note, the guy's very talented. He can play a million instruments, and he has got a voice that only Hashem could create. So kicking it off right away, he talks about content creation. And he says, daddy's making you content open wide. It's just another reminder that content creators are like slaves, that they are just always feeding us. And as I talk to you about this special, you'll notice some patterns, and already I can tell you, One of those patterns is how big content creation is on YouTube and other social media platforms. He makes a lot of commentary on that. Now, one of my favorite songs comes directly after that content one, and it is about white guys helping the world. 
That is also a pattern and underlying message throughout this whole special is white privilege. Somehow though, somehow coming from a white guy making lots of money from this, he is able to put comedic timing on the white privilege and it's hilarious. There's this one part in that song and he says, maybe I should shut the fuck up because I'm a white guy. And then it goes silent for a bit because he has actually shut the fuck up. And then he goes, I'm bored and I'm not going to do that. It's hilarious. It gets serious right off the get-go when he poses a question. Is comedy going to die? Or no, it's not that. It's not that. He says, is this the end of comedy? And when my brother and I were watching, we knew from other people that it made you think. But the second and the first few minutes when he says this, we go, okay, we know what kind of special we're getting into. Because to question the nature of comedy itself, that is a deep topic. And, and I remember Joe Rogan once saying that back in medieval times, the jesters, and if you're forgetting who they were, jesters were comedians who could make fun of the king. And, but it was okay to, because that was the etiquette. That was the rule of thumb. But it was when a jester went to jail, people knew there was corruption or society was going downhill. And isn't that interesting that in this day and age, we see cancel culture going off, especially with comedians. And there's this lack of freedom of speech happening. And again, I'm like, you're going to think me saying that I'm all about people just being racist and stuff. Not at all. It's that comedians who talk about issues, things too, that a lot of folks are thinking about when they're silenced, that's a red flag for how our government or just, I guess, how society is controlling things. Because in the end, there are certain things I hear comedians say that I don't like and are wrong, but I just don't listen to them. Like I don't support them. And I think that's just the decision some people have to make. It's like people can say what they want on a stage with a microphone and there's going to be a crowd, but you don't have to be part of that crowd. Like I'm not telling you you have to listen to comedians because they're comedians. If there's demand for them, they will continue making those jokes. If there's no demand, they will die out of the industry. You know what I mean? Now I could do lyric breakdowns of literally every song in the special, but I'm not going to. That would take hours. I want you to watch this yourself actually is to organically and and authentically hear this the first time but this song really does make you think again just about why why is he doing this like and how can he help the world and how can white guys actually benefit the world because he mentions at one point white guys have had the stage for 400 years and i just think it's hilarious because like really like he said, white guys should just shut the fuck up. Like, there's nothing you can really do at this point. You have the privilege. And it just makes you think. He mentions in a song right after that, that him being white, he could just give away all his money. But then he scoffs and goes, no, he doesn't want to. Even though he knows it's the right thing to do. It's easier said than done. He doesn't want to give away his money. There's a song called White Girls Instagram. This has to be, I think, my second favorite, if not my favorite. On the surface, it looks like he is just making fun of Instagram girls today. But when again, again, when you strip the layers back, it is incredible. He showcases the hypocrisy where they are anti-racism and then appropriating the next second. Or we see people take advantage of horrible situations for their own self-actualization And just how selfish some people are when in reality they think they're being altruistic, but it's not altruism at all. There's an interesting part where the bear, uh, sorry, borders, they go out to make it the normal TV width. And that's to show the vulnerability. And that's when in the song, the woman gets very 
open about like this thing going on. Her mother had passed away, and it's it's not it's not what people usually talk about on online. And then the borders go back to the one by one Instagram border, and as it goes in, she goes right back to talking about the superficial things and everything's about her. And again, it's this meta message of how often people are just fronting all the time on social media. But we forget this. Even I forget that people are just always fronting. This is why it's toxic to compare, especially online, not to go on a rant. After that song, he then moves on to this fake commercial. And this is golden. And it made me think, again, I did not think about this stuff. It's a commercial where he is this consultant for social media for businesses. And he's pretending to be all hipster and young. And he talks about people not buying a brand anymore because they just want the Butterfinger. They're now actually supporting a brand because of what the brand itself supports on Twitter. So if a company is saying they are pro this or that on Twitter, people are going to either boycott or support. And I guess back in the day when there wasn't as much social media and people couldn't speak their mind as freely and companies couldn't back certain movements, people would just buy the can of beans for the sake of buying the can of beans. But then he makes a great point that no longer are we doing this. I've even seen with the Israel-Gaza conflict, you can boycott companies that help Israel and actually support companies that help Palestine. And it's just, and that's just one example. Like we can go with every social movement ever, same thing. And it's so genius. Like that is what it's come to. The way he articulates everything as well is brilliant. And he, paints a great picture that I'm clearly not doing. So watch that part. To conclude, when you go to buy Butterfingers, he's saying you're not really buying the Butterfingers, you're buying what they support and what their message is. <laughs> right after that, there's another song, and this one's like a children's theme, and it's featuring Socko, the, the sock puppet on his hand. <laughs> and the song is called How the World Works, and so Bo Burnham, pretending to be the nice host, is telling the kids how the world works with the birds and the bees and the squirrels lay the seeds and it's all cute. And then Sako comes and he goes, Sako, how do you think the world works? And, and it's really grim because then Sako says like, or he's like, Sako, where have you been? And Sako's saying like, I've been in a state of nor dead nor alive between two pieces of wood. Like, cause he's a sock, but then really it is one of the most deep parts of the whole film, actually, because Sako represents our middle class worker that feels like a zombie, nor dead nor alive, and is doing the same thing every day. And notice that Sako is being controlled by the big white man, Bo, Bo Burnham. And that is the middle class being controlled by this massive white 1%. And that actually reminds me, there was a part in the white privilege song where he says white at one point, really brief on like, that is such a white thing to do. It's so true. But he intentionally did that. Again, it's this meta message to show that's what white people do. And it's just, there's a million of those in this film. So anyways, going back to Sako, Sako starts spitting absolute facts about income inequality and the world's built with blood and that all private property is inherently theft. Like genius, just in the way he says it all, it's in, ingenious, it's amazing. And then Bo Burnham, the, he goes, oh, Sokka, are you sure? Is that really how the world works or something like that? And then Sokka kind of gets upset because he's been clearly saying this all the time. And Bo Burnham, the 1%, is not listening, right? Isn't that interesting? And so Sokka starts getting upset and kind of cursing and swearing. He's like, how often do I have to fucking say it to you? 
And then Bo Burnham, and remember, always remember, Sacco represents our middle to lower class, kind of left-wingers, socialists, and Bo is that 1%, okay, that controls the world. And so Bo goes, I'd watch what you say there, buddy. And right there, you can tell the energy shifts. And then Sacco is getting a threat by Bo Burnham, and he threatens to put him back in the, in the drawer where he can't have a voice and whatnot. Or, and, and Sako is all scared and he go, and then he's making him call him sir, like making him call him certain things. And after he gets him to apologize and kind of just, bel he, he belittles and degrades poor little Sako. And after he degrades him, makes him feel like nothing, he yanks him off his hand anyways, pretty much showing that he'll kill him and, you know, just replace him with another sock later. Doesn't, doesn't care. It was such a deep symbolic representation of North America and corporate structure and how the class divide is happening. It's nothing like Hong Kong or parts of the world like that, but it is North America's getting there. Something, if you're still listening, props to you because I forgot to mention something before I even talked about everything. To me, this special was an artistic expression of the comedy, sorry, of the nature of comedy, an artistic expression of the nature of comedy. And I like to put it not to sound like a pretentious douchebag. I'm just saying literally this is art to me i was I, I it was so well composed and it was beautiful that's really it just represented this nature of comedy that bo and bo was trying to represent that and and trying to like educate us in a different way i think you know and making points like this is what the world needs right now is just something funny like this and that's why if, if that's all he can do that's all he can do and yeah so later on, we move to this part where he's pretending to be a vlogger and he pulls a knife out nonchalantly while he's just talking about people subscribing and the way he's like talking and pointing the knife at the camera, it feels very threatening. Like it makes you want to jolt back a little bit and retract your jaw. Anyways, the music cuts out at the end and I love this. And this is another pattern that you see throughout the entire special. It's one of those things, one of those trends I was discussing earlier where Life is dismal and boring, okay? And we often throw that away when we post stuff on social media, make everything look schmaltzy. So Bo intentionally lets cameras run with no sound, nothing, to show how boring, dismal things are. And that vulnerability, I love it. It's so refreshing to just get a reminder, like, it's okay if you think life is not as cool for you as someone else because they've edited the video, filtered it, put music on it. Um, on another note, though, that video, the whole thing is just this threatening motion as this the YouTuber. And I took that as YouTube these days is just desperate content creators kind of threatening you. Like, you better subscribe because you've watched this whole video. Blah, blah, like the video. And it's all these, like, underlying threats. Obviously, there's no stakes for the viewer. But... I can't help but think about that. And that's what I liked about this special. It's so subjective. Like everything I tell you is subjective. You could have taken it completely different or not looked at it as deep. And there's moments in this like that where he, he's in a gully suit, you know, like the snipers in their gully suits to hide. He's wearing one as he sings this Jeffrey Bezos song with weird demonic shapes in the back. And I'm like, okay, is this deep? Like is he just showing that he he's hiding from the world or is he literally just trying to make us laugh because of how silly he looks? <laughs> and that's why I saw this as an expression of art, is because there was so much subjectivity to the special. So next, he plays a video game. And this is, again, he mocks Twitch streamers. And he mocks so much pop culture references in this special. 
he's playing a game. It's a COVID themed game, okay? And this Twitch streamer saying everything Twitch streamers say, which is awesome. I love it. The mockery is amazing. There's a lot of satire too in this, which and it can make you feel uncomfortable throughout the special, especially when things get heavy. But the satire is nice in my opinion, and that sounds like an oxymoron, but I, I like how satirical the whole thing was. So he's controlling himself, right? And he's playing this game, and you can cry. And then he's also hitting on every little nuance to gaming. And so this is just a sub thing where, like, gaming's so popular these days. Of course, you'd make a joke about video games where you try to open a door. You know it's going to be locked, but they want you to try anyways. And then you're looking around as to what you can find to unlock it, and it highlights it way too early when you could have found it, but of course the game's got to show you where it is way too early and make you feel like a schmo. He then also has, like, it's it's uh, he, the way he talks about the game is perfect. So just go watch that part, and if you've ever played video games or watch people stream, spot on. I love what he did there. He cracks a joke, too, about how tall he is. It's also silly. I love it. Quirky, too. A trend too is I noticed he was always in his underwear. Now I right away took this as, oh, he's mocking COVID, how everyone's just at home wearing nothing. And then I was talking to a friend who is an artist, apparently in art, people are always naked or half naked to show their vulnerability. And maybe he was trying to show this vulnerability uh, and, and it was more, again, like an ode to art. I don't know. That's what they said. But I, I saw it as this lack of care and i think a lot of people have had this lack of care in the world these days next we go on to this reactionception thing so it, it opens up to him singing about internship and how how is it legal that this seems like a ridiculous concept to someone slave away for free and so he says it's a quick little thing but then it cuts to him reacting to it like youtubers react because Reaction videos are obviously the shit these days. So again, an ode to pop culture. He does a lot of these. And then right when you think you're what's next, what's next? He reacts to his reaction and he the way he talks about himself is perfect because he then also breaks down behavioral psychology. So when he's partway through the reaction, he then reacts to himself again. And he realizes that he's reacting to himself and then he realizes how he sounds and he starts chirping himself because when he starts saying like, oh, and here you can tell I'm a little shocked that I've witnessed myself reacting and I'm trying to explain how I was feeling when reacting. And that, that explanation was douchey and, and by explaining my explanation, I thought it would come off as maybe a little less douchey because of my awareness, but actually it just comes off as just as douchey. And I love that part. It was so funny because it reminded me of when people are aware and they have to explain to others how aware they are. And they think by explaining how aware they are that it's making them less douchey because they, they then don't seem naive, but it's actually just making them the same amount of pretentiousness. Little, and it's little things like that. Like it doesn't sound like much, but but who thinks of that? Like I would not have thought to showcase people's egos that are on fire in a reaction video. Like who thinks of that? And then and then at one point he gets freaked out because he's reacting so much, and then he shuts off the computer. Now I loved this too. This is where it gets sad, right? He'll just tell you the honest truth, which he was on the floor talking about social media and how the big dogs in Silicon Valley 
who create these apps like TikTok and whatnot are just messing with the neurochemicals of not even teenagers, but kids to make millions in profits. And when he worded it like that, I couldn't help but be sad. Like, it's so true. The, the manipulation, the exploitation of our youth, it's sad to me. And I'll, I'm sure I'll get there, but he talks more about it later on, believe it or not. So yeah, I think that's all I need to talk about with that little bit. But it's so true. I could, all of this is so true. So then he, the way he talks about suicide next is I've never heard it talked about like that because clearly he's suicidal. He talks about that a little bit. He even opens the show or no, he's when he gets stressed out midway through the show, he says he wants to put a bullet in his head or something and it's really grim. And then he starts talking about suicide and why like you shouldn't commit suicide. But, but like he understands why you would, but he says like, he just don't do it. Just don't. That's how he says, he goes, just don't like, he's like, I've had people in my life kill themselves. And he's like, it's, it trust me just don't do it it sucks like the way he talks about it, it's like you're talking about a schlep to the grocery store but he's talking about suicide and, and i know like it's a very serious topic but i think he's so desensitized because he's dealt with it or something or maybe not maybe he doesn't deal with it but he's got mental health issues for sure when you watch this and it's kind of refreshing to hear someone talk about it the way he does like it's, it's when he talks about living life, it's pretty much, he's saying just live life. Like, why not? Is that like, why not mentality? And, and that's refreshing. It's not an all or nothing, you know? Now there's a song and he leads up this song with the countdown till his 30th birthday. And literally it's like 1158 and he's just talking until it hits midnight and then he's all cheese and he's kind of upset. And he, and so this whole song's him kvetching about being 30 but partway through, and this is what I love, partway through, he starts freaking out about the young kids that, you know, he sees himself as young compared to boomers, but then the millennials seem like dinosaurs to the Zoomers or Gen Z. So then he freaks out and he goes, yeah, well, you know what, kid? You're going to have a mental dissociation issue when you get older because of the phones you're addicted to. And by the way, people, I can somewhat relate to this guy, even though I'm 24, I was born 97. I'm right on the brink of Gen Z and millennials. So I saw a TED talk. The guy said, if you remember 9-11, you're a millennial. If you don't remember 9-11, Gen Z. And so I don't remember Gen Z. But I'm again, I'm right on the brink. If you Google what the difference is, millennial and Gen Z, you'll see it's like 96 or 97. I'm right there. Anyways, so when he says all my stupid friends are having stupid children, I can completely relate. I see people getting married and having kids online already. More than you'd think, too. And there's another cool little piece of symbolism. He's got a light that he's controlling himself. And he, with his hand, spins it around his body and his head. And that either is to show that the sun's revolving to show another year of his birthday. It's either to show, again, how alone he is. There's a lot of that. That's another underlying message and pattern is the loneliness. He's always showcasing how alone he is in this. And then, or it could show that the world revolves around him when he's spinning it. And I just like all of that. It's just so genius. There are times too, you'll notice where the camera zooms in on him quite a bit. And that is to show that you are closer with him, that he is vulnerable. He is there like with you, a friendly type of thing, like a warmth. And then there are times where the camera zooms out and that is to show him being a little like scary and, and lonely. It's to really showcase his loneliness. And that, the, the, the cinematography, that composition, directing even, perfect. And on, that's on another note, he did the whole thing himself. If you look at the credits, it literally is all him. He edited the whole thing, filmed the whole thing, sang the whole thing, writ the whole thing, wrote, writ, writ, he wrote the whole thing. 
Now, one of my favorite speeches in the whole thing was when he shifted my paradigm on the digital world. So he says that, hypothetically, one day our digital world will be more real than our outside world, the the non-digital space. And I know right now you're trying to fathom that, but think about it. We're at a point where people know each other more online than they do in person. And so what if we get to a point where, and he says it like this, where we'll approach the world like we're in a coal mine. You'll suit up, gather what is needed, and return to the surface. And then he's, and that whole, I want you, it's pretty short. So if you get to that point, I really want you to like rewatch it. it every word is articulated so well. And he mentions how um, everything you know, in will kill you inherently. <laughs> and, but he's joking. He's, he's pretty much saying that like, we think everything will kill us. Look at the helicopter parents. Look at people who are scared to do anything. And then he even talks about like all these aspects of our personality and health that we guard and that, yeah, the thesis, the epitome of it all, the, I guess the premise of that whole spiel is we go out and just try to capture content for our more real more real digital world. I love that he calls it the more real world, even though it's not the real one. We have a tangible world, but it's the perceived more real world. Absolute genius. This could be a drinking game. Every time I say genius, drink, because I probably said it a million times by now. Now, following that spiel, this is so smart. He makes a bad joke intentionally. So <laughs> because no one's watching, he, he jokes about that. He's saying like, oh, it's nice to have a live crowd here. It's been so long because it has been so long, but there's still isn't a live crowd. And he makes this bad pirate joke. But I just thought like, who can think of a, a bad joke intentionally? And since you, the viewer, know he intentionally wrote a bad joke, that's what makes it funny. It's this like weird paradoxical joke loophole or inception. Love it. There's a song right after that, and it's all about cancel culture. And there's this on-the-nose Jesus crucifying symbol. and But again, it's just talking about videos of him as a teenager were getting flack. And it's, it's like over a decade old. Actually, more than that. It would be like almost 20 years old for him. And yet people are still thinking he's the same guy. And, and then other people in the world have been canceled for stuff they did over a decade ago, if not decades plural. And I'm not surprised you talk about cancel culture because it's very prevalent nowadays. And and I know you're probably hearing me talk about it with a negative connotation, thinking I'm taking a side here. Obviously, there's people deserve to be canceled for stuff they do. But I'm also I'm just saying like it's on the rise. So he's talking about it. And that's what he does throughout this special. He just talks about stuff that's on the rise these days. Now, there's a part where he's really sad. And this is where it gets dark. He's crying. But the camera keeps zooming in. Not on him, but the camera zooms in on itself in the mirror. And to me, I subjectively took that as the camera is what matters. No one really cares about our emotions. The camera is what matters. And actually, going back, when he mentioned in the Turning 30 song about kids having a dissociated, dissociative mental illness i couldn't help but think like oh my goodness kids are getting more apathetic these days and if you actually look up the definition of dissociative think about it people are seeing happy things and sad things and not caring as much they're losing that empathy why is this because of how saturated the internet is think like think about it we see so much of the same shit all the time we forget we sorry we don't forget we just stop caring about it we don't feel the same I do like there's a lot of added audio that you can see he's added the audio. And that's to remind you again that he's alone. Even at the right away at the beginning of the whole special, 
he is making the laugh track himself. And we've all felt pretty lonely. And that's the irony, by the way, of social media. I've told this to all my clients. It's an ironic thing. Social media. It's actually anti-social. It stops you from being social. It's this, like he said, the digital world that's more real to people. They think they're being social. They think they're meeting up with people. You're not seeing anyone. You're not touching anyone. You're not feeling anybody's vibes. The fake concert was definitely a loneliness thing. Uh, and then there's a part, I noticed this, where the battery is almost draining. Even though at the beginning of the song, it was full. And that is very much intentional. And when you're wondering, like, what are you talking about? Just picture he projected like an old camcorder up on the wall. Because the whole thing, he projects things on the wall as well. And here, it's like you're seeing what he's doing, but through that, that what do you call it? There's like the border of an, a camcorder has the time, battery, whatever other specs. And the battery is draining. And I think that's a symbol of like his energy is draining. He doesn't have the energy anymore for it. And so he puts on his own little fake concert and it's kind of sad to watch. Now near the end, like it shows how miserable he is, but we don't know how miserable, miserable he is because we only see the end product. And that's another deep message. Just a reminder that we, we don't see the real struggle ever. We just see end products and superficial fakakta. Also, I found it interesting. He says he's scared to be done because what's next. And I can relate to this with my anxiety that I get sometimes. Um, I fill my time with things like what I'm doing right now. Honestly, I don't have to do this. I just do this because it's like, God forbid I had to sit alone with my thoughts and I meditate every day, by the way, fun fact. And that helps a lot, but I'm just saying still, I can't meditate all day. So when I'm not doing anything, I just don't like thinking I, I start to see the world cynically. It's not healthy for me. And so I do stuff like this just to fill time. There was a lot of him setting up and taking down equipment. And that's that dismal mundane life thing that he's expressing. Just showing like what the boring looks like. Also, probably a bit of theatrical stuff to show like this is a, literally he's doing it himself. Probably a little bit of that, to be honest. So at the very end, he steps outside again and he's scared to do it. And the second he steps out, he wants to go back in, which I think is a lot of people with this pandemic and stuff. And he's locked out, though. He's forced to go back into society. When lockdowns end, this is a powerful message he puts out there. When this lockdown ends, and Ontario is like the last in the world to pretty much to be locked down like this. But when we're all out, I think a lot of people, they're going to be forced to go back into society because we all live in the rat race. We're in a capitalistic continent. We have to make money to pay the bills or else we die. And so there are people who they've liked the stimulus checks. They don't want to go back. And it's Bo Burnham portrays this perfectly when he's banging on the door. He wants to get back in to hiding. He doesn't want to be in society anymore. And then what happens next? Everybody's laughing. Like there's an audience. He's, he's in a concert hall and people are laughing at his struggle. Now this reminded me of how we laugh at people's struggles online. The whole thing, like he, this is another underlying narrative. The pattern is online world, that the world is online now. That's what he really talks about in the special. And we see this when people are laughing at his struggles because think of your viral videos you've watched. I'm sure you've watched some fail army stuff or people, dogs doing silly things. You laugh at people's discomfort. Even pro sports, it's quite barbaric. We cheer at the pain of others. And it, it gets a little inception-y where he is watching. So he is now watching himself on stage, struggling to get into his home, everyone laughing. And he's serious-faced, but then he slowly gets a smirk. 
that I truly can't comprehend. Actually, I don't know what that meant to this day. I maybe it was showing that like he's proud of his work because then it shows. It's almost like the fourth wall is being broken. That you're realizing the whole thing is a show, and that's like the most real part is him smiling at what he's done. That he's proud of his work. But then also, what if it's just him? I don't know. What if it's just like what I just said? It's him just laughing at people's misery and he's not actually looking at himself. You got to like pretend he's someone else. I don't know. Heck, watch it. Tell me what you think because I really want to know what you think of that part. It's kind of subjective. Now, I noticed another pattern is he makes it all very YouTube-y. Down to the lettering used at the beginning and the end and little bits here and there with the vlogs and the way he frames it and the camera equipment he uses is like a little vlog camera and the lighting's like the vlog and he does a lot of this stuff because that is what today is. It cables extinct. We're all watching YouTube now. We're all streaming now. That's where the world's gone. He he narrates that he comments on that. He Bo Burnham provides a social narrative for us in the special. I watched this with my mother and my brother. I want to watch it again with maybe my best friend. I don't know. It might be one of those things I watch every few years. It probably won't be relevant in a few years, to be totally honest with you. But still, too good. So good. Now, I had a, I had a buddy who hated it. And I was actually telling a lot of people, if you don't like musicals or parody songs, you'll probably hate it too. So unless you can look past it and just see what he's saying. Oh, I totally forgot about this one part where he's talking about texting no, video calling his mother and it is spot. On. That's the one part where there's no deep meaning, but it is just spot on with what, how mothers handle cell phones, or at least my mother. And anyways, I hope you enjoyed that little summary. Oh, last thing. I'll, um, eh, maybe I'll, it's 32 minutes. I'll tell you the story on next week's podcast about the Costco phone person. Cause I don't know what to think about it. And there I'm giving you a little Little lead up, a little suspense for next week's episode. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Self Improved. I hope you enjoyed that. Just wait for next time. We'll get back into the science of well being. More awesome, awesome, uh, uh, um, uh, geez, compelling stuff on how to be a happier person. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rate five stars. Enjoy the Bo Burnham special because I sure did. Take care. Shabbat shalom, my mishpoche. And I wish you the best, truly. Bye.